Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. And that's how I ended up in the back of a police car with a horse's head next to me. <laughs> you started that off early. <laughs> oh my God. I, I flashed back to the Godfather in my mind. Good. That's where I was hoping you would go with it. Great. <laughs> that being said, welcome to the Macabre Academy. It's me, Nerdy Witch, a.k.a. Steffi, and guess who's with me? The dirty one. Dirty Uncle Kevin! I hear Yay. you guys love me, but nobody's been following me on Twitter. What the fuck? What's your handle on Twitter that's not the Macabre Academy? Dirty Uncle Kevin. That's the whole thing? There's no underscores? Yep. or Nope. Nope. Okay, so you can find Kev on Twitter, and he's much more Twitty sa- Twitty Savard. He can tweet better than me. <laughs> he's also going to help out with the Macabre Academy Twitter now. So here we go. Okay, Kev, it's our episode. Fortunately, Brandy couldn't join us, so it's you and me. Oh God, God help you all. <laughs> Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. All right, so what there's you drinking? A, there's a bar in State College. It's not a bar. I'm sorry. It's a place I've wanted to turn into a bar forever. It's actually a church. And over and it says something similar to that over the archway. And I just want to hang a sign that says abandon all you hope all you drink here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've wanted to I've wanted to do it for twenty years, but I'm never gonna have enough money. The church is still there. I was just there a couple of years ago. Also, when you go drinking in a college town as an adult that has a reasonable income, it's probably your worst idea ever. Because the wife and I got absolutely hammered on less than $60. No shit. I want to say we had like 22 drinks between us. What? And I tipped tipped for every drink. I tipped a dollar on every – every time I went to the bar, I tipped a dollar. And I was fucked up. On nothing. That would be like a $40 tab. Yeah, it was was like – I had a lot of money in my wallet for some strange reason. So I was like, I don't want to keep pulling my wallet out every time I go to the bar because I'm going to be hammered and I'm going to keep dropping money. So I took 60 bucks out of my wallet and put it in my pocket. So the next, so we go back to the hotel room. I mean, I am, I am fucking destroyed. I was drinking beer and it didn't even hit the sides of the glass. I should have just put my head under the tap and just pulled. <laughs> God, I could see that. Actually, I could see that. Like I, was, like I was drinking like I was still in college. I was like, holy, like the beer didn't even have a chance to get like mildly cold, like mildly hot. I was just downing it. Mm. Oh my God. Well, I'm drinking whiskey today. That's what I'm drinking. Do you remember what my favorite whiskey is right now? I don't. Hellcat Maggie Irish whiskey. Oh, I love it when it's topical. Oh, it is. It is. So, Okay. I'm going to read the back of the bottle because I can't remember if I've done it in an episode, but we're going to revisit this. Okay. Hellcat Maggie was a well-known criminal in Manhattan's Five Point Districts and a member of the notorious Dead Rabbits gang. She was a fierce street fighter who actually filed her teeth into fangs and nails into points to better shred her opponent's skin. That's the back of the bottle. That is in Gangs of New York. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
I wanted to do an episode on the females in the gangs of New York. I mean, I definitely want to hit that because I'm a history buff. I'm a nerd like that. I still can't believe that movie is two DVDs long. It's not, well, is it one Blu-ray or is it just? I don't have it on Blu-ray. I only have it on DVD. Mm. So, you know, Irish whiskey has a long history of women also working in whiskey. As you take a swig from the bottle. Yeah, I'm drinking straight from the bottle. It's a it's a straight for, straight from the tap kind of day, like you were just talking about. It's like, do we look like motherfucking role models? No, I'm I'm desperately trying to adult here, and it is not working out. So, do you know the difference between bourbon and whiskey? Geography. No, for whiskey to call itself bourbon, there has to be 51 percent uh, corn in the mash or more. Oh, oh, oh! Ingredients, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I only drink exclusively Irish whiskey at this point. I mean, I do love me some Rare Eagle. And there were some great other ones that I tried when I used to do my... You know what's crazy is I what I did cigar and whiskey bourbon tastings for like five years, and I barely remember any of them because I didn't like a lot of them. I hate Canadian whiskey. I love the Canadians, but I don't think they got whiskey right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They make a mean maple syrup, though. That is true, and they make great comedy. Also, ever... also, funny story. When I travel abroad, well, not now, but when I did, I was never. I never said I was American. I'm always from a small town in Canada. Does that go over better? It does. I love it. I love it. I'm from, mm-hmm. I'm from a small town in Nova Scotia. <laughs> Actually, I did an elementary school project on Nova Scotia, and because it's an island completely surrounded by water, it's very temperate. As most islands are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get too hot or too cold from the water. I guess I should probably start the episode. because we can just keep talking about bullshit for the next hour and a half. I'm sure people wouldn't mind, but I did a lot of research. <laughs> Here we are. We should, we should totally do that. Just have a complete bullshit episode. Oh, I think we already planned one, right? We're slowly working on it. No, I mean, just an episode that doesn't, it's no topic. It's just the three of us sitting around talking. You know, we can do that for Patreon. I was just going to say Patreon exclusive. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to schedule that Patreon exclusive with Kev. Exclusive, I'm writing it down. Exclusive with Kev. After two kids, my short-term memory is shit, so I have to write shit down. Also, we're going to do a Twitch, so we can do live stream and talk to people and bullshit, just straight bullshit. Fun. Yeah, Kev said he's on if we do that for Twitch, so I'm down. Hey, I'm here to ride all the rides. <laughs> you have been such a wonderful addition to the Macabre Academy. I can't tell you how pleased I am that you you keep coming on, even though you've made minimal commitment. Listen, like I said, I'm here. I'm here for as long as you guys want me. Apparently, your your listeners like my voice for some strange reason. I think you're all weird, but hey, it is what it is. I got two um, compliments on your voice. I got two. And we barely have interaction. I wish we were... My goal is a lot of interaction. I want like a lot of Twitter. I want a lot of Instagram. I want a lot of uh, emails and shit. In fact, we have a sponsor this episode. Oh, look at us moving up in the world. I know. I love her Do we products. have a sponsor every episode? No. Oh. I should, so, really listen to our, I should really listen to our episodes after they get posted. Yeah. So the only things I run ads for are things that I love. 
And there are either things that I am self-endorsing, like Cheryl's book, because I just love it and I insisted on making a commercial for her, whether she liked it or not. And now we have an actual sponsor who sponsored several episodes. I might run her ad longer because I fucking love her products. You can just put that in there right now. Just put the ad right there. Ad break right here. Witches, I am in love with this family-run business, Mystical Existence, the bath products that turn your ordinary self-care ritual into a celestial experience. As a witch, my bathing habits are sacred, so I was overjoyed to find products that not only smell amazing, but don't irritate my sensitive skin. My favorite scent is Scorpio which was designed with Maggie's daughter and the perfume her mother used to wear at heart. All soaps, lotions, and bath bombs are handmade with supplies that are purchased from ethical and responsible manufacturers. A portion of the products are vegan for all you animal lovers out there. As the wheel of the year turns, new products are designed to match the seasons. Currently only available In the United States, you can find Mystical Existence on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, mysticalexistence.com. For 15% off, use our promo code MACABRE. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. And we're back. I was waiting for you to have one of your witty... Your witty stories. Hey, you can get one of those an episode. Oh, one, and we already we already used it. Yep, bright and early. Okay, so we're back on the Death Goddess train. Can you guess what country we're in? From my uh, whiskey choice, we are in we are in America. No, fuck yeah, America, fuck yeah, America. Actually, America. apparently, we're in a small town in Nova Scotia. <laughs> I love my small town in Nova Scotia. Is that where your island is on Animal Crossing? It's in Nova Scotia? I work for the local Nissan dealer. (laughs) Or Nissan, as they say up there. (laughs) Listen, you got to have a backstory. I memorized the Canadian National Anthem. Did you? I did. Please sing it. No. Damn. All right. Well, actually, we're in Ireland today for our Death Goddess series. That is why I'm celebrating with Irish whiskey. Okay, are you ready for an incredibly densely packed episode, Kev? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so we're talking about the Morrigan or the Morgan. You can take your pick. I got Pittsburghese. Don't come at me. Come at us. Get in those mentions. Tell us that we fucked up. Get in those mentions. Get on that Twitter. Email us. Get at us. Yeah, actually, I'm really happy last episode that Brian had sent me that small correction on the cuneiform. So I'm wondering if he has anything for my Celtic history. We're going to see. I'm telling you, get at us. Well, actually, I've gotten in a lot of conversations about the Morrigan. Why do you do those DMs? (laughs) You're going to get me or you're going to get Kev now. Because 90% it was just me. Now it's like 20% Kev. 
at least because I got literally nothing going on. Well, what's you know what's interesting when I I was talking to a few people about this episode and it was hard because I know a lot of people that actually worship the Morgan now. So it's a little frustrating to try to do them justice with how dense this material is. In fact, I was just having a conversation about this yesterday because I went to the magic store and I bought a shit ton of hand-dipped incense to say a big fuck you to my mother-in-law that lived next to me before me and my husband separated. I wasn't allowed to wear perfume for six months so or burn incense. Or use bath bombs or any of that shit. So you better believe I went balls to the wall and bought them out of incense. Goddamn right. Mm-hmm. But the guy at the register was showing me a Morgon statue that he had gotten for Father's Day. Did he just whip it out? Yeah, he just whipped out that picture. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, so I'm going to try to do this justice. So the Morgon, our Phantom Queen was a fearsome Celtic deity and Irish goddess of death, destiny, and battle. It also refers to a trio of sisters who appear as a crow or a raven, and she was the keeper of fate, purveyor of prophecy for the gods and heroes alike. So, like I said... Huh? Busy. Busy, busy girl. Yes, very busy. And her... Her worship survives, like I said, to this day, but it's divided. So she can be both a single deity or a triple goddess. And you can also make it an and. And that makes her one of Ireland's most powerful goddesses. But there are like these hard polytheists that see her as a singular deity. And then the sisters are a separate entity all into themselves. And then you got people who are more flexible. They're the soft devotees. So they're the ones that do yoga? Maybe. Actually, I keep laughing because it says hard and soft, and I just think that's two forms of a penis. Because there is no in-between. It's either flaccid or it's ready to go. But um, a soft devotee will embrace the sisters as interchangeable faucets of the same goddess. So it's kind of like a diamond that has many faucets, but it's still the same stone. I think facet is the word you're looking for. That is it. Am I talking about a, a, a kitchen faucet? You might be. <laughs> the whiskey does the things, but it helps me do the things, so it's okay. Okay, so some of her aliases include Bive, Matcha, Anu, Danu, Naaman, and Faye. So she originated during the Celtic era, 1000 BC to 580. I'd like to remind our listeners that we do not use Common Era. Okay, I went 30 years without the common era. Fuck that shit. Everything is BC or 80. Okay. You ever see that, that BCE bullshit, Kev? Yeah, I didn't pay attention to it, though. though, how, like, though I'm, I am completely ripping this off from somebody else. So this is not my own material. So if you like it, go check out Eddie Izzard because it's fucking hysterical. Um, but how annoying did it have to be for the basic BC 80 changeover? It's like, oh, well, we have to get a whole new fucking calendar now? We throw all the other calendars away. Now we gotta get. We gotta use this whole new calendar. It's kind of like new math. Like what happened to basic arithmetic? That got me through thirty years of my life just fine, and now everything's like. I also want to go back to every math teacher I've ever had and just show my smartphone and go, "Ha! <laughs> I had a calculator. You'll never right have here. a calculator in life. Yes. Right here, every day, 
every goddamn day I have a calculator. Okay. So, despite originating in B.C., her lore survives to this day along with her superstitions. So that makes her worship a melting pot of customs, languages, and religious practices because she is as diverse as her devotees. Not only was she... See, if it wasn't for this lockdown, I'd say we should do this episode from a melting pot. Oh, God, I love the melting pot. I haven't been there since my 21st birthday. And I'm 33 now, so it's been a minute. I've never been to one because I hate the concept of going somewhere and cooking my own food. You're not technically cooking it, though. You're just dipping delicious things in cheeses and juices and chocolate. But still, like, I'm, th- I'm paying you to do that. Like, that's why I'm paying you. Hey, Kev, we should have, like, a, 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 a three-way date with your wife and go. We can make this happen. Yeah. I think we should go. Eventually, after this whole... Yeah, bullshit's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to a restaurant right now. I'm good. Okay. But, okay, so the Morrigan, right? Not only is she Irish, because I freaking respect the shit out of Ireland, but she's also... No, Ireland has more drunks per capita than any other nation. That's fine. But do you know that they actually don't drink on St. Patty's Day? It's actually a religious holiday of of sobriety. I I didn't know it was a religious holiday. Yeah, the snakes got driven out of Ireland, and what do we do in America? Beer, shamrocks, green, more beer. How about some whiskey? Let's get drunk and rowdy and parades and feather boas and Elton John swag. I have gotten into hour-long fights when people try to put potatoes in Irish stew. I'm like, no, you can't. I'm waiting for the follow-up on that because I'm now confused. Well, because the whole potato famine thing, there's no potatoes. You are right. Yes, I've that, got it, at work. I have gotten into hour long. I have gotten into hour long arguments about this. Actually, last St. Patty's Day, I was really disappointed because I love this air quote candy called Irish potatoes, but it's not Irish at all. It's coconut rolled in cream cheese and um, cinnamon. You lost me, coconut. But they look like little potatoes, and you put little yeah, pieces in fries. It doesn't matter. The point is, I was looking for it, and everybody's like, "That's not really Irish." And I'm like, "I don't give a shit. I love me some Irish potatoes." You know what I've been trying to? If I'm meaning to make some scotch eggs. Yes, please make me scotch eggs. I've never made them. I, I've been. I actually want to make them with chorizo. Oh, bring a little uh, caliente to it. I love me some chorizo. I'm, you're not wrong. Actually, uh, uh, the Morrigan was quite diverse herself because not only was she from Ireland, but she was also from the British Isles, the Iberian Peninsula, Northern Italy, Switzerland, France, Southern Poland, and Central Turkey. She gets around. She does. Like a record, baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not singing that song, but at least I know this song reference. I was played in many a goth clubs. Dope did one of my favorite covers of that song, by the way. Oh, speaking of terrible covers, we have to talk about that later. Okay. Remind me to tell you after the podcast. Okay. But we're going to talk about her etymology. Okay. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Do the damn thing. Let's fucking go. Go. Her name was originally Gaelic. More Rogan. I don't know. It's M-O-R-Dash. 
Rio, R-I-O-G-H-A-I-N. Okay. So we're trying our best here. I can spell it. I might not be able to say it. But when it becomes evangelized, it runs into a lot of problems. So this etymology is like a serious. So more can be linked to a proto-European word meaning terror or death. So in English, you see this word attached to nightmare. Okay. But Irish have these little italicy accent marks that can change a vowel sound, which alter. Right? But it changes the whole meaning. So that means the Morrigan can also mean great or vast, which can relate her to the sea or ocean because that is vast. Like you can't see the other side. So that whole concept of vast and big and awe that the ocean has translates to her. And then Ryogane or whatever means queen, which is similar to the Latin word Regina. So you can also interpretate her name as sea queen or queen of the slain. So the Morrigan is seen by medieval Irish writers as an archetypal figure in her relation to spirits, particularly malevolent female spirits and monsters. The Morrigan with a lowercase m can refer to demonic flying creatures or spiritual beings like witches, fairy women, or shapeshifters. There you go. Yeah. Didn't you tell me something about witches earlier? I felt like you said something about them. I did, but I don't think we want to have this argument on this podcast. Okay, that's fair. This is, this is for, another, that's for another podcast. Another podcast. We'll save it. Put it in the bank. So put these <laughs> Put a pin in it. These scholars refer to such spirits as Morgana, too. So you can change it with an A at the end to also mean them. And the term Morgana to be described as diverse, like they use this word for stuff like from Middle Eastern Lamia or the demon goddess Lilith from the Latin Vulgate Bible. So again, just by changing a vowel here or there, an accent, it changes. But okay, so I try to get a good summary of what she is. So she is a death omen, a mother, a murderer, a spy, a conspirator, a healer, and sometimes the earth or land herself. So she has quite the resume. Looks a little bit better than my own, but let's let's proceed. Okay, so there's a huge problem defining the Morrigan because old texts are often contradictory and they vary significantly. So the Celts are kind of people that relied on an oral tradition of storytelling. So the authors of her record come from Christian monks who like sensationalize her. So you run into this problem where you have to read all the versions to find the likeliest agreement of information. So the best I could come up with is she was an old god adapted over and over into different iterations over time. And with these different names or incarnation, they're still all considered to be her. So that makes her very complicated. Some of my favorite earliest descriptions are her as a shrieking, cursing being who laughs at misery and is aligned with the demons of Christian hell. Love it. I think that's how my family views me half the time. That yeah, I mean, they're Catholic, so. Okay. The Morrigan was first and foremost a goddess of war, battle, and death. The Celtics were very war-centric people. 
Okay, so boys were trained at an early age to become warriors as a rite of passage. And there are these great tales of mock battles after meals that were recorded by Greek philosopher Posidonis. I just committed to a pronunciation because I can't say his name, but it's P-O-S-E-I-D-O-N-I-U-S. The Celts also have a particular reputation for being exceptionally fierce, okay, because Ireland was very susceptible to foreign invasion and internal tribe fighting over land and highly prized cattle. So we're going to see cattle a lot because they served as like a central role. Like cattle one? Vodka? No, cattle. Oh. Moo. (laughs) Moo. All right, but they were like central, a central role because they were currency. You could you could use their life giving milk. You could use their meats, their hides, and having a lot of them was a sign of glory. See, you could tell a very victorious soldier in battle because they had more cattle than a loathsome peasant who had none. I know it's your next wedding. We should start a cavalry. Everybody has to bring a cow. My next wedding. I just, and unless I'm, I might be an old spinster for the rest of my life. We'll see. If there's not, I thoroughly become, plan to become the crazy cat lady. It's on. Well, you're halfway there. Yeah. Living on a prayer. Is it on a bear? <laughs> see, I caught it this time, huh? Okay. So, you know why the Celts are pretty fucking awesome? In this culture, I smacked my mic. In this culture, there was also evidence of women taking up arms or cheering warriors in battle, which was very uncomplimentary to other European traditions at this time. So you have this entire cheerleader squad of women standing on the sidelines and like shrieking at the enemy. Instead of pop pop swords and shields. Yeah. But what's great is, is this discouraged men from fleeing a fight. Because if they did, these women would make horrific jokes about them. They would utterly demasculize them. And what's also weird is, like, men aren't used to seeing women on the battlefield. And they're screaming like banshees. So it's a form of psychological warfare. I love a good psychological warfare. I don't know. It didn't work out too well in Waco. I was very disappointed by the psychological warfare in that story. You know, Waco is actually an acronym. Is it? What 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 does it stand for? We ain't coming out. I mean, that was an accurate representation of the story. But I digress because this episode's on the Morton. We Brady already, already made this episode up. I have fucked it up several times, but we are gonna roll. We're gonna roll with this. Cause such is my fate. <laughs> and I'm such a professional, let me tell you. This is a professional podcast. Super professional. This is where we get a drop of Brandon saying, you're trash. <laughs> Utter, complete trash pandas. Hey, these trash pandas out of this. I love it. All right. I'm going to light another stick of incense because mine went out. This is what you got. Kev, you got a drunk stuff. Okay. This didn't Yoo-hoo! take much. Okay. So you can hear the bag. This is great SMR. Oh, I knocked over my bottle. Wait. Oh, shit. How's that sound? Can you hear it? Fire. There, it blew out the incense and so stick it in the burner. It's very satisfying. Fuck you, mother-in-law. Oh, 
Oh, it's so good. I love that every stick is a spike. I know. Okay. So the Morrigan, speaking of which, is a goddess of prophecy and fate. So she was, she saw the future of all things, including the end of my marriage and the world. She was all knowing and would occasionally share her knowledge with others for a price because bitches need paid. You can't just give information on the future for free. And how about this shit? She was never wrong. Her wording. No, never wrong. She's a woman. And her wording was very exact if not somewhat poetic. Her appearance to royalty and warriors also represented the side that she she favored in battle. So she helped determine the kings of Ireland, so that made her a goddess of sovereignty. Okay, so here's here's one of my favorite parts, because you know I have a wolf and a raven tattooed on my arm, right? Holding this up. My little raven. Patreon exclusive? (laughs) It is a Patreon exclusive, yes. So the Morrigan is also associated with the raven because this kind of stemmed out of the bird's constant presence on the battlefield because they're scavengers, right? So it's said that supposedly she would carry the souls towards rebirth on her black wings. And the ravens are also well known as omens of ill fate. And in some instances, they're also considered lucky because, you know, whatever. Let's just be completely like the opposite of both things. So how did you and know? And if you're in a 1950s Disney movie, probably racist. <laughs> no, but what I'm what I'm struggling is, is if you see a raven, is it your end or is it your ship coming in? Like, you don't know. Either the worst thing or the best thing is going to happen to you if it was ill fate and luck. It depends on if it says nevermore. <laughs> I like that. All right, so these birds are psychopumps. Do you know what a psychopump is, Kev? Lay it on. They can travel between wor- worlds, such as the living, the dead, and the other worlds. From what, this, I, understand, from what I understand, back, in the, back then, the, the concept of these barriers between worlds, they were very, they were very pliable. It was pretty easy to move back and forth. Between. Kev, look at you knowing the things. You're 100% correct. I try my best. Oh, you're on it. I love it. I did like 20 minutes of research for this shit. Let's fucking go. Most basicest of research. But hey, you are the master lot. of banter, so it's all it's good. It's been a long fucking day. Maybe a long day. I had to get up early. I don't do that shit anyway. Hey, Kev. Do you remember what happened in 1994? I barely remember Tuesday. <laughs> well, 1992 gave us Power Rangers, but in 1994, they gave us The Crow. Ah, yes. So I have a quote from that movie because I feel like it applies here, like, 100%. I'm going to try to read this and not stumble, so hang in there there with me. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes something so bad happens that a terrible sadness is carried with it, and the soul cannot rest. Then sometimes... Just sometimes, the crow can bring the soul back to put the wrong things right. I have a working theory that all ghosts are queer. All ghosts are what? Queer? Yes. Okay, this is a topic for later discussion. I'm going to write it on the list, though. I have no basis for this, but I just feel it's true. Well, isn't that kind of like how all cats are drag queens? I haven't heard this theory yet, but I'm very interested. 
Oh my God, it's a Robin Williams exclusive. Let's stay on topic. We'll discuss this after the show. Okay. Maybe it's a Patreon exclusive. All right. Well, the Morgan was a shapeshifter who took many forms. She would often appear in multiple forms in a single story. So it's hard keeping her straight. But the most common forms was a red-haired or sexy black-haired maiden. Battle-ready like Xena. Or you had like that old, withered, haggard crone. Or you get that raven I was just talking about. I mean, what would you do if the Morgan appeared to you as a sexy redhead? Because I know you have a thing for redheads. I do have a thing for redheads. Sadly, they don't have a thing for me. I don't know. I had red hair for a little while. And I think you're sexy, so. That's only because I came out here to save your ass you, you know what? Being the rider of the white horse is not a bad call. Okay, it's a, it's a. Kevin's the only white knight that I know. Okay, so she could also take the form of a couple other animals. You ready for the list? That's it. Okay, wolves, snakes, cows, horses. Interesting. Mostly, she though she was described as incredibly beautiful but intimidating, much like myself. Absolutely. Not at all. <laughs> I'm the biggest dork this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, but when you get when you get going. I feel like I'm going now. I'm on the whiskey train. Hot mess Choo-choo. express. <clears throat> okay. You're trash. Complete garbage. All right. One of the best stories of her as a shapeshifter. Okay, I love this story already. She stands at a well. In the, in, in the form of the ugliest old woman that you can think of, okay? Like Margaret, Margaret Thatcher, naked on a cold day. Kind of bad. Hey-o. Okay. So she waits for a king who's thirsty and desires a drink. And then once they come upon said well to quench their thirst, she asks them for a kiss. And this is sometimes interpreted as sex, Okay. So they're going to get it on. And then once that deed is done, she transforms into a beautiful woman and declares him a righteous king. And here's her justification. Are you ready? There are many things about ruling you will find repulsive as you found me, but you came to love me and you will come to love ruling too. I mean, not only is like the imagery kind of mind blowing for me, because it's kind of like granny porn, right? She displays a power over a king to thrive or to perish. And we see her taking forms of whatever is most helpful at the time. So she can enter your life in any form, whatever is most helpful to you. For the kings, it was an old witch. For me, it might be a small child because I'm a sucker for an old child or a dog. And for For you, she... Huh? For an old child? No. That's what she said. Steffi's drinking whiskey. Run it back. (laughs) Okay, look. She takes whatever form that she needs to help us shift and to grow, evolve, learn, survive, and thrive in whatever situation comes our way. Okay? What sucks is it's difficult to extract an origin in existing texts. Right? We already have problems with etymology. Now we're, we're struggling with origin. Okay, so many say that she was part of the tribe of the goddess Danu, or 
known as the Tuatha Dé Danann, which was a tribe, a mythical race, if you will, living in Ireland that were descendants of the goddess Danu. And it depends on the lore if they were gods, demigods, divine people, or a fairy race, because fairies are rampant in Ireland. And this also makes Morgan's family a bit hazy. So we're going to go with Webb's, Weber's version, if I may, where she is from the Tuatha Dé Danann, who arrives in ships from the sky. Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. I'm totally putting that on my are you an ancient astronaut theorist? No, but we put it on my business card because it's self-sustaining. <laughs> Does your boss not give a shit what you put on your business card? Oh God, no! I made up my own job title. Wait, what's your job title? I think I got put it on social media manager. Okay. Do you did you know that I used to work at a company called Party City? Probably. Well, what I put on my job history for that job is balloon technician. I can blow up a dozen balloons in five minutes. So I made myself a title. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to run with this ancient astronaut theorist for just a minute, if I may. Um, That was not provided in the information that I received, but I really feel a connection to ancient aliens right here. Because your ship's sky. Okay, sky people immediately invokes aliens. Not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. It was aliens. Did you see the meme where it's a kitten with the little paws up going, it was aliens? That's adorable. It's so cute. I got to put that up on the social media. That's happening. What's going on with that guy's hair? It gets bigger every episode because... (laughs) I call him bird hair guy. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. His hair looks like a bird's nest. I mean, do you think he's, like, purposely trying to invoke, like, Albert Einstein vibes or make himself more credible? I don't know, because some of those connections are loose at best. Okay, so whether you believe that they're... tangent, if I may. May, please proceed. I'm actually really mad at the History Channel for two separate reasons. First, I was trying to stream some of their shows last night and today, and there's an air coming up and it won't let me stream, and I'm really angry. So I'm trying to watch me some alone. Because, mm. you know, why not? What else am I going to do with my time, right? And right. my, my on-demand is like two weeks behind. It's pissing me off. You're but also secondly, stuck in a backlog of Macabre Academy episodes. Yeah, I know. I got to But, secondly... They pulled this bullshit where they were doing, it was like the secrets of Skinwalker Ranch or some bullshit, right? Okay. And like, they were talking about like shadow people, which I know we've covered, but I got to go back and listen to the episode. It's on my to-do list. I got to turn it into a to-done list soon. But anyway, that's neither (laughs) here nor there. I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. I might actually learn some shit, right? Like, this sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's your typical fucking history bullshit where like, it's like, Fucking like like the curse of Oak Island bullshit. Where like it's just it's just like such a good premise, and then they just completely fuck it up with like stupid dramatic bullshit. I bet you I could do a better job because I had to fix 100%. the shadow. Well, I I had to fix the shadow people episode. I had a book burning on Patreon that I hated that book from fucking Amazon so much because the girl did like zero research. She didn't even know she what Pareidolia was. She worked for History Channel, probably, but I apparently. Know, 
Well, I'm going to try to get to the Skinwalker Ranch shit, and I will fix it for you if I can get to it, because I love you and I want to do it for you. Oh, my God. It was, I watched, like, three episodes. I'm just like, I can't do this shit anymore. Like, you guys are terrible. Okay, I'm going to fix it. So, okay, now that I've completely derailed the conversation. <laughs> That's okay. I have an idea for a future episode. Skinwatcher Ranch. Two, I've given us two ideas tonight because I am a slut for content. You are a slut for content. Um, I actually wrote my notes, Skinwalker Ranch Fix for Kev because I love him. Oh. Yeah, that's what I wrote. So we're going to revisit that one if we may. My sister said it's so easy to get published on Amazon that I should probably write my own true crime novel. But you know if I do it, it's going to have a thousand fuck bombs in it. That's why you need an (laughs) exit. If you want me to write a true crime novel, please tweet at us. Oh, now from your phones. Yeah, it might be possible. All right, but... The story that's hazy from the Morrigan is her family. So, again, I'm going on the Webster's version where we got the ancient astronaut theorists. But coming out of that story, they give us the great gift of civilization. And the Morrigan sisters, Five and Macha, are among these people coming from the skyships. And then once they hit ground, they retreat into she or fairy mounts. So I think it would make sense if they were ancient aliens, that they were out and about, here's civilization, we're just going to chill underground because it's too bright for us. Because they were traveling through space, right? I'm going to go with that. And what kind of fucking sucks is the church is the only one to preserve this history. So we don't know if it's myth or if the Morgan was a physical queen. There's a debate rolling around. That whiskey is straight to the face. Oh. Okay. So the Morgan. I'm going to go with this, is the daughter of Ermos, a farmer, and she's also the daughter of a sorceress. And she has, she is one of three sisters who are war furies. So that gives us Bive and Macha. And Macha is also one of the names of the, inner, uh, the incarnations of Morgan. So you'll see the Morgan and Macha used interchangeably. And then on top of that trichotomy, you get three more sisters that she has, which is Bamba, Fulta, and Eru, who are three sovereign goddesses of Ireland. And then you can kind of trace her lineage back to Dalbaeth, who is one of the king of the gods. So that links her to sovereignty and magic. Unfortunately, there's very little detail surrounding the Morrigan and other main descriptions because Celtic mythology has been like fucking destroyed and lost over generations. So you're playing a giant game of telephone and you you lose some details from person to person in oral tradition. So it kind of sucks. I kind of appreciate a written history myself, but whatevs. Okay. So one of the most prominent aspects, if I haven't hammered that home yet, is her nature as a triple goddess of war. And you're looking at the incarnation of Morgu, who is the goddess of battle, Macha, who is the goddess of sovereignty and fertility, and Bive, the goddess of prophecy. And what sucks is Bive is spelled B-A-D-B. You want some Irish spelling bullshit? It's Bive, from what I understand. So in many stories, you see her as an individual and or as three goddesses acting under a single name. 
If I ha- I hope I hammered that home. So most of what we know about the Morrigan comes out of two major battles of the Katha Mage de Torrid. Okay, so two battles we're going to discuss today. The first one is with the Firbolg, a race of primordial beings already being in Ireland. I kind of liken this to, I was watching Hercules the other day, so we all know I'm a slut for Disney too. But it's kind of like the Titans were originally in Greece before Zeus hit that shit and took over. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, good. So the primordial beings, I hit my mic again because I'm drunk. The primordial beings in Ireland. And that we're told it was then that Bive, Matcha, and the Morrigan went to the knoll of the taking of the hostages and the hill of summoning of hosts of Terra and sent forth magic showers of sorcery, compact clouds of mist, and a furious rain of fire accompanied with a downpour of red blood from the air on the warriors' heads. And then they allowed the fur bog neither rest nor stay for three days and two nights and three nights. I tried to do a, 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 a hotel at three days and two nights. It's three <laughs> days and three nights. And what kind of sucks is because the sisters act with such power, this embarrasses the shit out of primordial beings because they look like pussies by contrast. So I don't know if you want to be in like the ancient alien camp where this was like lasers and, and modern warfare shit from out, uh, outer space. But some theories say that the Morgans have power over the elements. So these are actually descriptions of fog, hail, and lightning. The red blood may symbolize death or injuries from inclement weather that impact the army's resources and ability to rest for battle. Kev, what do you think? You know, I'm willing to go either way. Are you a switch? Are you playing for both teams here? Yeah, we'll see how things play out. (laughs) Okay. In the next stage of battle, the nobles of the Tuatha Dé Danann, who are the ancient pantheon of gods, if you don't remember, go f- to the front to fight with the Morrigans, along with those three sisters. So just a reminder of their names is Eru, Folta, and Bamba. And these bitches, they set up pillars behind their own army so they can't retreat and they have to fight. <laughs> Morale will continue until beatings improve. <laughs> like... I just don't understand. Like, they trap their own warriors in battle. There's nowhere to run. So you, it's either fight or die. But the battle, it works. They ultimately emerge victorious, even though one of their kings loses an arm in a fight. So it's kind of like no pain, no gain, I guess. So a second battle follows to liberate the Tuatha Dé Danann from the Formarians. Do you know who the Formarians are? The Cigar made by Romacraft, right? No. Oh, the Roma Craft is a good is a good company. I bought a box from <laughs> from Leaf and Bean. I had an autograph. There's a picture of me in one of the barber chairs, all gothed out, holding this box autographed. What's his name? Um, Clip. No, the guy who owns Leaf and Bean, or the guy who owns Roma Craft? Roma Craft. 
Skip Martin probably. Skip, 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 skip. Skip autographed my box because it was the first box of cigars I ever bought, like the entire box of. You autographed your box? I don't think his wife would like that. There's picture evidence of it. I'll find it somewhere. It's on my Facebook. Oh, yeah. He autographed my box. I don't believe it was a furry box at the time, but that's okay. It was, you know, smooth wood or whatever. There, there's a picture of, of Enrique from 1502, Skip from Roma, and then Island Jim. Uh, Please say they're snuckered. Oh, the three we were we were drinking uh we were drinking Florida Cana out of a giant fucking martini glass. Skip <laughs> has no idea who. Skip doesn't remember fucking the thing of it because I met him at the trade show. He's like, "Have we met?" I like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh yeah, I don't remember you." Did I ever tell you the story about drinking at Leaf and Bean with firefighters? No, but I feel like we should be. I feel like we should move on for fifty minutes into the show. Fair, okay. <laughs> so the Formarians are a monstrous race of supernatural beings who come from under the sea. It's thought that the Formarians had been real people who might have been coming by ship over the ocean to be oppressors of Ireland, or a stand-in for the destructive elemental forces. Or it could have just been socioeconomic impact of fighting famine, weather, and disease while building Ireland. So the more oh, there's a lot going on there. Oh, it's so much. There's so many ways to interpret this shit. The Morrigan plays a vital role throughout the story, beginning in her early appearance to incite the god Lug, L-U-G-H, to rise up and fight. And this happens around Halloween or Samhain, if you're a neo-pagan. And she meets with Dagda. I love how Dagda meets her. Dagda strolls up on this riverbank, and the Morrigan is straddling the shoreline, one foot on either side, and she's washing her lady parts. She is cleaning that pussy, okay? And it's for a noble cause because they are going to have happy adult sexy fun time on that spot. So the, the sex that incurred gave the place the title of the place of the married couple. <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute. They just like don't know each other. They have sex and they're married. But cool, whatever. They consummated their relationship consensually, and that's the important part. And I want to point at this moment for a few reasons, because we're seeing her as a sexy fertility guard goddess. So that consensual sex is actually unusual because it's more common to see sexual assault or rape in these myths. And then she stands for the land itself. So the king is joining forces with the land. And this... <laughs> This is mirrored in King's coronations with strong sexual themes because the land is considered his corn salt, corn consult, not corn salt, consort. <laughs> there were public displays of the king and his sovereignty by publicly having sex with a mare or a cow. Whether this is the form of the goddess or actual animal abuse, I'll leave for you to decide. <laughs> I mean, the horse should always say nay. (laughs) Nay. (laughs) Okay. But this is a pact, a consummation of the king being married to the land, right? Because it's been consummated by sex, which obligates him to guard and defend it. I also love the dog just chilling in the background, not giving a shit. 
Oh my God, Sydney's been back here for two takes of this episode. Her tongue is out. That means she's happy. She loves all the cushions. Like I said, when I separated from my husband, I came, I'm a twin, right? We know this from the Mangala episode. So I came to stay with my twin for the next couple of months to get back on my feet. And his dog just freaking loves my futon right now. He's all about that. She's all about that life. Living her best life. Best doggy life ever. All right. Well, so the Morgan was living her best sexy life. And after the penetration, if you will, the Morgan, if you will, the Morgan meets with a Fomorian king, and his name is Indec. <laughs> I N D E C H. All right. And then she takes from him the blood of his heart and the kidneys of his valor, which is symbolic of his courage and his strength. And then she goes to the old gods, the Tuatha with fistful of blood as an omen of his destruction. And the army gathers on the eve of Samhain or Halloween, you know, All Hallows Eve, right before the day before Halloween. And then the battle actually emerges on October 31st or Samhain itself. And this dude, Indek, dies in the battle as a result of the Morrigan's magic. The old gods win, though, and beat the Formarians back to the sea. And the Morrigan has rallied the warriors to fight fiercely and fervently. Right? Morgu, that form of the Morrigan. And then we see Bive, her sister or her other form, prophesizing the fate of the world, good and bad. And the story takes place over an extended period of time, but the key action at the end all occurs around Halloween, right? Sam Hain. And we see the Morgan acting as an ancestral force of incitement, helping to give her people victory and joining with Dagda and then doing the prophesying. From a modern perspective, we have several themes that relate to both the Morgan and the holiday which someone's looking to celebrate the feast day for her, the Morgan to work with. Yeah, it's Halloween. The retelling of her story and, sec- and sections of it happen every year at Samhain, and some in her honor might also be a, g- a good idea. I'm a little drunk, so hang in there. But she is cemented with a connection of Halloween and the gifts of prophesying and death. I did because in the first take you were talking about the veil thinning and I was so proud of you because you knew the that was this take. I said it earlier. Did you? Yes. Irish whiskey is the best. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. So I'm going to link a great art article called Irish American witchcraft, the Morgan and Sanhain by Morgan Diamond. Anyway, I'm going to link it, and it shows more about her link to Halloween, because her nature is the deity of war, battle, death, magical prophecy, and change. Link her easily to this theory, because you know like Halloween's got themes of death, magic, prophecies, and the turning of the year from one season to another, right? Okay, so we're going to dive into the second myth. And I'm going to try to say this name's, this guy's name's right, but come at me. So the second myth 
involves cool Cthulian, who shows the Morrigan in the Ulster cycle, which is established when Macha, the incarnation of the Morrigan, has cursed the men of Ulster. Ulster. So she was forced to run a race with the king's horses while she was pregnant because her husband couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut because he was boasting about her. So the king drags her down there and she has to run a race while, while, like, let's say nine months pregnant. And when she wins the race, she immediately, immediately collapses on the finish line and gives birth. And then much, yeah, right. As you do. The matcha curses the men with labor pains at inconvenient times before she returns to the underworld. So this links the Morgan to pregnancy and childbirth. There are so many amazing myths about the Morgan. I can't cover it in two episodes, and I'm trying. But we're going to try to do another episode at some point. Um, either part two or Patreon to be announced. Yeah. So I will get to her link as a fairy and some of her other lore, so just hang in for the ride, okay? It's going to be a while. Yep. So, okay, so the men of Ulster are cursed. And then we see the whole cattle raid of Cooley begins with Queen Meb. Meb. And her husband, Alilili, A-I-L-I-L-L. Alilil. So they get into a pissing match, basically, over who brought more wealth into their marriage by comparing that collection of cows. And it turns out that uh, Alili has one extra bull, which means her power is threatened, and she sets out to rectify the situation by finding an equally awesome kick-ass bull, right, to rival her husband's. She finds a bull in Ulster, mated the Morrigan herself at the Fairy Mount. Seems easy enough. So the queen sends a messenger off to the owner's land with riches and sex with her if she might only borrow the bull to mate with one of her cows. But this messenger pulls a stuffy and gets drunk and pissing off the owner of the bull. He refuses to relinquish this said cow freely to the queen. So then there's a cattle raid, which is not uncommon in Irish culture. And Koo, as we're going to call him, is our hero. And his main job on this entire fucking scenario is to look after and defend the cattle in Ulster. And he starts setting traps to slow down this army coming from this queen, okay? In the middle of all this, the Morrigan, our goddess of choice, has fallen deeply in love with Ku, and she tries to seduce the warrior and offer him aid in battles to come. But he rebuffs her affection, so she winds up with that unrequited love that I'm famous for. And this guy, right, he looks at her and he says, as bros before hoes, I don't have time for a woman's ass. (laughs) it's kind of like my husband his friends were before me so like i get it i can connect with this story on multiple levels but it's one of the most complex relationships in not only my life but in irish mythology 
The the Morrigan engineered the battle, but she sets herself against him, even though she supposedly loves him. And he mansplained to her, and she wouldn't even hear out his proposal to help because she, or he wouldn't hear her proposal out to help because she was a woman. So, like, I understand her shit right now, like her fury. Like, I get why she's pissed. She tried to use her magic to increase his inner strength but needed him to be still and near her in order to do so. So she becomes a shapeshifter and appears to him for the first time as a bull. She told him to run from the battle, but he refused and kept on his path. The next time she appears to the warrior as an eel, and she tries to trip him in an effort to use more magic on him, but ultimately she's unable to do so. You know, (laughs) eels are native to Ireland and closely tied to snakes who are not so, like, snakes aren't native to Ireland, so they're more mythical. But these eels slash snakes symbolize death, destruction, evil, healing, fertility, water, and cementing the Morgan's ties to these things as well, just so you know. So then she tries a third time changing into a wolf and she attempts to scare the cattle so that they would run and stop his journey but again this does not work okay so wolves are a big deal because they're an ultimate sign of outlawry like out outlaws or warriors celts coveted the pelts because they could use the bones and teeth to make jewelries Actually, have you, do you know what a baculum is? I do not. A baculum is the penis bone in some mammals. And I actually had, from a local oddity shop, a baculum bone necklace from a coyote in my collection. It has since left my collection because of my many moves and gypsy lifestyle. But I'll remember forever what a baculum is. But Celts covered the pelts, and they used their bones for teeth and jewelry. Okay, that's where I'm in my notes. The warriors often decorated their armor with wolves and were called coinchen, or wolf heads in Irish. Some Celtic tribes are even said to be descended from wolves. And what's awesome, right, and I have a wolf raven tattoo on my arm, right, because the Morgan comes as a raven. Um, some uh, uh, wolves and ravens are said to have a symbiotic relationship in nature. And you can see that in Teutonic and Scandinavian mythology, which I will also link, right? Because the wolves, usually wolves are loners, but because the crow can seek out the dead bodies, the wolves can also scavenger what the, what the crows find. So they like live together and the wolves like defend the crow from enemies. So everybody wins. Um, anyway, she received three injuries in her attempt to thwart coup, and he swore not to heal them, right? He's like, okay, you suffered at my hands, fuck you, I'm not going to do shit for you, even though somehow I'm a dude and I have magical powers of healing. So in her final attempt, she relies on that shape of an elderly woman or an old crone, and she's sitting there milking a cow. When Ku saw her, 
And as an old maiden, she gives the warrior three drinks of milk, which immediately make him stronger, that milk from the teat directly. So he blesses the woman, unknowingly healing the wounds that he vowed not to heal. And this dumbass is like, if I had known that you were the Morrigan, I would have never fixed your shit. Kev, I lost you. I'm still here. I'm listening to you. Okay. So it was easy to trick him with the milk because Ireland, like I said earlier, was based on owning cattle. Milk and cows were the most coveted as a sign of wealth. So even the Morrigan was known to take the form of a cow or a bull, as we just saw. And the thought that the milk was magical and restored his energy after being fatigued from battle. So now this kind of cements the Morrigan acting as a healing goddess as well, despite being associated with death. Healing. So Ku was riding his horse one day when he noticed the Morrigan by the river. This is the second time we've seen her by the river. And in this moment, she would seek her revenge on the warrior for rejecting her love. So she's washing his armor, okay? So this is called the washer in the fort. I wrote a whole blog about this, which is considered to be a death omen. You know, so if you were going to die in battle, the biform of the Morrigan, the Morrigan would appear to the warrior washing the blood off of his armor. That's how you knew your, your shit was done. You're like, you were going to be D-E-D dead. Okay. According to the myth, she was the only thing protecting him from death, and he was seriously denial until the next time. He was in denial. Not was denial. He was in denial until the next time he was in battle, and he gets critically wounded. All right, so he knows it's his time, and he knows he's going to die. So he ties himself to a large stone and props himself up so he would die in an upright fighting position. If that's the biggest act of pride I've ever seen, I don't know. I'm going to die, but I'm going to die standing on my feet fighting. Okay, dude, you, you won your man card for the year. And a crow, who's said to be the Moragu or her sisters, landed on his shoulder. And at that moment, everybody knew that he was a goner. He had passed. Her appearances of death of Provence. Kev, how are you dealing with my drunk telling of the story? Like this is the first time I've ever had you tell a story drunk. (laughs) You're not wrong. So her appearance is at the death of prominent figures, such as those who fell at the Second Battle of Moitura or the mighty coup who was caught. You know what? This links her to Irish folklore like banshees or fairy women. Do you know what a banshee is? I do. Fucking boss. All right. Well, what's a banshee then? It's that thing. The, you know, the, the thing or other things. And the thing with the thing that does yes. the thing? Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let me specify that a little bit for you. Yeah, it's, it's for the audience. Yeah. I mean, I know you know what you're talking about, but let, let's assume somebody listening doesn't know. All right, so Banshees from the Britannica Encyclopedia.com or Irish Bean Sea, um, Scottish Gaelic Bansith or Women of the Fairy, are supernatural beings in Irish and other Celtic folklore whose mournful keening 
or wailing, screaming, or lamentations at night was believed to foretell the death of a member of a family of the person who heard the spirit. So if you heard the spirit like your granddad is done or your uncle or something. And in in Ireland, too, banshees were believed to only warn the families of pure Irish descent. So if you're not descended from Ireland, you might not ever hear a banshee. Ever. Are you Irish, Kev? I don't know. My beard's red, so maybe. I don't know. You know Catherine, my oldest baby, and the uh, the psycho-abusive cunt bag that I used to date? Yes. He got mad at me when I got pregnant because I tainted his line because I have a small bit of Irish in me, and he didn't. <laughs> I tainted his bloodline with Irish blood, he said. <laughs> uh. We love that guy. No, we don't. All right. So the Margot is known for her strengths, which includes her ability to instill fear and those who crossed her. I need that shit. But she is also known for her weakness and was described as vindictive. She wasn't afraid to kill when she was disrespected. She is forever linked to the festival of Halloween or Samhain and is symbolically represented by a crow or raven. So I can get behind this shit. But she's also been associated with horse symbolism, so that could link her to Aponia, the equestrian goddess, equine goddess, you know, Equestria. We're gonna we're gonna my little pony this for a minute. Oh boy! What's that thing when adult males watch My Little Pony? What are these called? I don't know. Okay, then tweet at me, whatever, because I know it's a thing. Get at us. Yeah, but horses are a big deal in Irish paganism because they're a status symbol due to their association with transportation, work, and these horses served in warfare. There are even special horses that escort the souls to the dead into the other world, like the Morgan herself as a crow, right? Like we talked about earlier. And the Celts believed that horses could see ghosts and spirits and were immune from evil or fairy mischief. Fairies are rampant in Ireland, so, you know, you need an immunity bearer from those little bitches. So, of course, she has other mythology. The Morrigan is unique to Irish mythology, though scholars have found similar figures in Celtic lore. One such figure was Morgan Le Fay. Do you know who Morgan Le Fay is? I do not. That is the great antagonist of Arthurian legend, which shares attributes with the Phantom Queen. So, in the legend of Arthur, her and the Morgan were both shapeshifters and prophets who appeared in many forms and foretold the future with fearful accuracy, right? And some believe that the figure's names stem from the same etymological root. So, Morgan and the Morrigan have entirely separate meanings in Welsh and Irish, respectively, making the connection kind of tenuous at best, but it's worth mentioning. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that sometimes the Morrigan is referred to nemin, which means venomous, venomous, poisonous, or frenzy. This is often used in an exchange with the Margu incarnation. She is the wife of Niet, the obscure god of war. 
This means that Neiman, Five, and the Morgan, or any other war goddess go by the name Beniet. Both versions of this name means a goddess that has a wicked battle cry that killed like a hundred warriors at once. Just by screaming her titties off. Yes. Faye, okay, hang in there. Faye, which means hateful, has an association with cattle and also is synonymous with the Morrigan. The name relates to the word fee, which means death, or the name of a rod used to measure grapes. Faye is also listed as a sister of Neiman and also a wife of Niet. So you got that trichotomy rolling around. Fucked up enough, if you don't understand that, is Faye and Neiman are also known as nieces to the Morgan, so it's complicated as fuck. And and I mentioned this at the beginning, but we're gonna we're gonna hammer this one home. Danu is the mother goddess of all, but is used interchangeably with the Moragu incarnation. And her name means sacred waters, and many rivers are named after her. She can be also an earth goddess or land itself. Danu can also be used interchangeably with Anu, the goddess of wealth, and she was called upon to help the land. Bountiful gardens, prosperous farms, and favorable weather. She can also be a goddess of healing with her connections to the water. And it is known to follow devotees to any new land that they travel to. So if they migrated to the five points in, what is it, New York, Mm -hmm. back in the day, she went with them. So she follows them. And I mentioned Bibe a few times, but not only is she an incarnation or sister of the Morgon, but it also means any supernatural woman. So that's where we get that witch, female fairy, phantom respecter. And then Dex covered this, but that means she's also a lady in white. Her etymology means fighting lady as a goddess. So she signifies rage, fury, and violence. She's also described as red-mouthed, which refers to the Celtic association with the color of red and death. So a red-haired woman is also associated with death, Kev, so be careful. I've had a good life. Not only does she prophesy doom, but she can incite confusion in armies and be reveled among the slain. She is fierce, but not evil. And her primary function is to warn heroes and kings of danger. So Macha, that I mentioned earlier, is also a unique situation too, right? So she's a triple red-haired goddess in her own right. So she, along with prophet, warrior, and matriarch, she represents sovereignty and the fertility of Ireland. She hated to be underestimated by her gender, though, and was also vengeful if wronged. I kind of like feel a connection to this because I had to prove myself in the cigar industry because it was so masculine dominated. Yeah, it's a fairly toxic environment, but you did all right. How many times did I walk into the humidor and I got mansplained? And then I hand them their ass when I gave them binder wrapper filler <laughs> and a whiskey to go with it. I mean, that felt really good, so I get it. Um, Hero's horses are also named after her, which links the Morrigan again to the equestrian. 
they're thought to be blessed by her for battle and she can relate to most human experiences because she suffered a mortal death a few times, held power, and was brutally used in some myths. And occasionally, again, she's a manifestation of the physical order. In her morgue form, she was a queen among other gods, living in fairy palaces of the Tuatha de Danon. She can also incite battle, strife, and deeds. Here she is also known as the Battle of Magroth, as a singular gray-haired woman who would leap from spear point to spear point to shield soldiers and ensure their victory. Can you imagine... Just let you know, we're like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. We're going to get through it. We're almost done. I love that Kev's keeping me on topic this time. It's usually my job, but I'm drunk. So this little old lady is running spear point to spear point, and with an angry string, she could curse those who wronged her and show no mercy to their enemies. She also served a similar role as the Norse Valkyries. She's also similar to Germanic Prachada and Odin and her relationships to the Raven Death and War. The Morrigan is also a mama. She had a son with Dagda called Adair. And she had 26 daughters and 26 sons who were all warriors, but unknown baby daddies. The total is 52 warriors, which may have been followers instead of actual children that she birthed. But her best known child was Meshe, M-E-C-H-E. And he had three serpents in his heart who threatened to destroy all of Ireland but he was murdered and his heart was burned. When his ashes were scattered in a river, all animal life that encountered said ashes died on the spot. She could be benevolent in her abilities to wisdom, generosity, and prophetic abilities, but she also is a shapeshifter with three main forms, which, again, big shocker, are an old hag, beautiful woman, and called a crow. Weber says, air quote, the Morrigan is many things, but above all, she walks between the world of intangible and ill-defined. A goddess of the River Ford, she is the place where improbable meets possible. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so now we hit popular culture. So these, she's, she's been referenced modern, in modern media a lot. Okay, so this is where we're going to have a brief discussion. Ready? In Canadian television series Sanctuary, she appeared as a powerful triad of abnormal women. Being from Nova Scotia, did you see the Canadian television series Sanctuary? I did. Do you remember the Margot being in it? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> also, the Canadian fantasy series Lost Girl, the Morrigan was a title held by the leader of the Dark Fae. Guess okay. where else she appeared? Uh, lay it on. Marvel Comics. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. She was a powerful goddess in Celtic pantheon who existed in a trinity with, hold on, Sir Nuulus and Tar... C-E-R-N-U-N-N-O-S and Taranis. T-A-R-A-N-I-S. It is later revealed that this position was a title held by several women throughout history. 
While assisting the mutant Siren, the Morrigan was slain, and her dying breath, she passed her powers to another mutant, who in turn became the next Morrigan. In Wicked Plus the Divine, she appeared as one of the gods manifesting in the modern era. She appeared as both a single entity and three separate individuals, each with their own names and distinct personalities. I wonder where they got that idea. So what other popular role-playing thing could she have possibly shown up in? I'm going to give you a guess. I do believe it's Dungeon Dread. Amen, brother. That is it. The Morrigan appears as the member of the Celtic Pantheon. Beginning in the fourth edition, a new deity called the Raven Queen was added. The Raven Queen is a goddess of death, fate, and winter and is heavily influenced by the Morrigan. And you see her in video games. I don't know if you played any of these, but this includes Dark, Stalkers, and the Dragon Age series. Nope, I don't play either. She also plays as a playable character in the video game Smite. You ever play that? Play that one. Nope. Several bands have taken her name as their own. This includes a Germanic prog metal band, a Germanic black metal band, and a J-rock version of a Kai band. And lastly, several songs make reference to the goddess in the lyrics. This includes a song by Glenn Danzig, a song by Primordial called Songs of the Morrigan, and a song by The Darkest Era, among others. And we have hit the end of part one. There you go. That is just part one. Part one. Part one. Join us for part two. For yeah, you, it'll be several days. For us, it'll be about 15 minutes. <laughs> are you right? Are you along for part two? Sure, it's fucking bad. Okay. We need to pick a non-offensive dare. We do need to pick a non-offensive dare. That needs to happen. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly, non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy. Or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Are you going to do it or do you want me to do it? You know, I'm about to because you guys are starting to be shit at numbers. You like to pick in the 50s, and, and Brandy likes to pick low and high numbers. So I'm about to put my finger in the middle of no X's. I was about to say 65. Okay, let's see if 65 is taken. If I can 
drunk stuff he can turn to the page that would help. For the love of God, I just hit. Okay, 65, 65. Oh, okay. Episode 65, there's nothing in there. That's good. Okay. Morgan part one. Okay, Patreon dare. Give something a makeover. This Make could sure you be- post that to all of our social media. Yep. Get your house points. Okay, so like, if you're going to give something a mo- makeover, like me as a woman, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to give my girlfriend a makeover and change her hair, nails, and makeup, or what the fuck ever. As a man, do you see like extreme home makeover? Or like, what do you see? What would you pick as an extreme makeover? I mean, you could do you could do a home makeover. You remodel something, sort of a nice picture. I also see this as a furniture D, DUI, you know, because you're giving yeah, over not a DUI. You don't want your furniture to have a DUI. Do do it yourself. DIY is that there it? There you go. I have a DUI because I'm drinking whiskey on this episode, but. You want a D-Y-I or I-Y. <laughs> I'm not drunk enough or I've drunk too much. That is the debate. Let me know. Vote now on your All right, Kev, we hit the end of another episode and it's just you and me. Just you and me. Just, just you and me. Just the two of us. We can pod it if we try. Just the two of us. I'm getting serenaded. I enjoy it. All right, is that our goodbye? Is that our sign-off? Are we done? That is our sign-off, and we will try to get Brandy in for the next episode, but we have no promises. No promises. There's no promises in Macabre Academy. Anything could happen. I've given up trying to predict anything that happens on this show, because even I get surprised, because I don't know what the fuck's going on. All right, let's end this call. I need a drink. I need to go to the bathroom, and we we need to let these poor listeners go. Okay. Goodbye. Let Kevin evacuate his bladder. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.